All right. All right. So Galatians chapter 2. Are you enjoying Galatians? Galatians chapter 2. We're going to pick up with verse 11. And we're going to read down to verse 16. So let's read. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, but by the works, uh, for no, by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So let's go ahead and pray for our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that it's filled with the spiritual nutrients that we need this morning. We're going to open our heart, receive it by faith, and be nourished by it. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person's listening. Father, I thank you for causing them to be opened and cause them to walk away hearing from you. And I thank you that only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Let's go up to verse 11, start unpacking this. Uh, verse 11 says, now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. And so in this section of scripture, we find that there is a revival going on among the Gentiles. After Jesus died, the gospel was basically centered around Jerusalem. Persecution hit Jerusalem and persecution spreads the fire. And so the fire of persecution and the fire of revival actually spread to Judea. That's the area around Jerusalem. And that, that's still the areas of the Jews. But then it spread into what's called Samaria. And Samaria was kind of a mix between Jew and Gentile. And then it went up into Antioch, which was a Gentile town, a Gentile city. And revival was taking place among the Gentiles. And so up until that time, salvation was of the Jews and so now Gentiles were getting saved. They were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. They were talking in tongues. They were not circumcised. They were not Jews, but clearly born again. And so the question has, what about the Gentiles? You know, obviously God's doing a work among them. Do they need to have the law? Do they need to keep the law? Because then even after Jesus died, right afterwards, the temple was still going on until AD 70. So for about 35, 40 years, the, the temple is still operating, and so the Jews are still following the law and, and doesn't really understand grace. Really, the grace of God was really revealed to Paul. Paul had the revelation of the grace of God in the New Covenant called the Pauline Revelation. And so Peter, James, and John, they understood some of the grace of God, but not to the level Paul did. And so Paul was called to the Gentiles. And so Paul and Barnabas' ministry is starting in Antioch. They pastor that work of God, and then God calls them out on the mission field and spreads the gospel to the Gentiles. And so they're going to come back after their first missionary journey. They come back to Antioch, 
And so some Jews had come up to Jerusalem and was telling the Gentiles in Antioch, no, you have to be circumcised to be saved. Uh, and so there was a big question about that. So they sent a delegation down to Jerusalem. And in Acts 15, they had a big council meeting. They had a big church meeting to decide this issue about the Gentiles. And so this happens, and they, and they said, no, okay, the Gentiles are saved, and they don't have to keep the law. And so they sent back a delegation to Antioch to let them know. Barnabas and Paul was part of that. And so Paul and Barnabas goes up there, and Barnabas is the pastor of Antioch. And Paul's helping out at the church. And so now we're going to see in verse 11 that after the Jerusalem council, James says, you know what, I'm, I'm concerned about what's happening up there now that, that that's happened. I want, I want you to, Peter, will you go up there and find out what's going on up there and make sure everything's okay? And so Peter's going to go to Antioch. And so it says, when Peter had come to Antioch, uh, I have a, a map, a picture. Do you have a picture of Antioch? So see Jerusalem at the bottom? That's where Jerusalem is. Antioch is up to the north. That is a Gentile city, and that's where the revival takes place. And so from Antioch, actually, Paul and Barnabas gets the call to be, a mission, to be missionaries. And they go out on their first, second, and third missionary journeys from the home church of Antioch. So I just wanted to show you where the Antioch is. And so Peter had come to Antioch. He, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. And so sometime after the Jerusalem council, uh, Peter visited the city and enjoyed the grace of God there. He enjoyed the freedom of God. There was freedom not only in what they ate, freedom in their worship. The grace of God just brings great freedom. And so they were not under the law there. And the power and the Spirit of God and the gifts of the Spirit were operating. How do we know that? The Spirit of God there in Antioch spoke to them as they ministered to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them. So the gifts of the Spirit are operating there. Wherever you have grace, the Spirit of God's going to flow. When you have legalism, it just shuts down the flow of the Spirit of God. And so Peter professed, uh, so he came and, and in Jerusalem, he basically stood up and said, no, I was visit, God used me to go to Cornelius, the first Gentile, and God showed me on a rooftop and, the, and a sheet got left down and God said, eat, eat, Peter, rise up and eat those pigs. Eat that, eat that uh, non-clean food. And he said, no, no, Lord, I can't do that. And the Lord says, no, don't call, what's, don't call unclean what I've cleansed. And so basically right after that, God calls him to go be uh, and visit Cornelius and preach the gospel to him. And God shows him there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. And so he stood up and actually made that claim in Jerusalem. And that helped uh, stem the tide of, of the Judaizers there. And so now Peter's coming to Antioch now, and he's going to change by what he's going to do. What he does preaches a different message than what he preached in Jerusalem. And Peter, and Paul said, I withstood him to his face. Say his face. Paul confronted Peter to his face, unlike what most people do. You know, a lot of people, what they do, when they, instead of uh, coming against face-to-face uh, -face confrontation, you talk about them. No, 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 Paul didn't just whisper around and talk about, well, Peter, what Peter's doing is wrong. No, he actually stood face to face with Peter in front of everybody and rebuked him and confronted him over his hypocrisy. We're going to find what was his hypocrisy. We'll see that here in a second. Peter was sinning openly in front of the entire church. So Paul confronted him publicly. Peter's withdrawal from the Gentile believers had caused a public rift, a public scandal, and so it had to be opposed publicly. 
So Peter was in Paul's uh, spiritual jurisdiction in Antioch. So Paul had jurisdiction over Antioch. That was the work he had signed him. Peter came into his area and was leading people off of the truth of the gospel. And Paul says, no, it's my responsibility here in the pastoral team to stand up against this because Barnabas isn't going to do it as a pastor. As a pastor, I need to do that. And so he rebuked it. And so if someone comes into River Rock Church and they want to teach heresy, they want to lead believers off from the truth of the grace and faith message, I will withstand them face to face. But if I'm in someone else's church and something happens, I don't have jurisdiction. It would be wrong for me to stand up and say something. So here Paul stood up in his jurisdiction and rebuked Peter for his, his hypocrisy and pulling them away from the gospel. The Judaizers said that Paul was not a true apostle or that he was a lesser apostle. So then in Paul coming against Peter and standing up, he basically showed I'm on the equal footing as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so he's on the same footing as Peter in standing against him. And so he says, because he was to be blamed, that means he was at fault. Peter stood in the wrong. And we're going to find out Peter's not going to defend himself. He knows he's wrong. And so Paul's going to give him a sermon, and he's going to, he's going to repent there. He's not, going to, he's not even going to deny it. Look at verse 12. For before certain men from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. That's Peter. Peter would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Certain men came from James. Look at the word James. That is the Lord's brother, half-brother. James is the son of Joseph and Mary, and Jesus was born of Mary, but his father was God the Father. So James grew up and, and uh, grew up with Jesus in the same household. And so James was an unbeliever during Jesus' ministry. Matter of fact, none of the believer of his brothers believed on him during his ministry. It was actually he was raised from the dead. He appeared to James. And James becomes a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and gets saved. And James becomes the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. None of the other 12 disciples are called to be pastors. James is called to be a pastor of the church. And so he's the leader of the Jerusalem church. But he still has a legalistic mindset. He's still under the law. And so he believes in the Lord, but he believes to be spiritual, to be right with God, you have to keep with the Jewish traditions. And so the Pauline revelation wasn't given to James. Pauline revelation was given to who? It's right in the name, Pauline revelation, Paul. It was given to Paul in Arabia. And when, he, when the Lord brought him out to Mount Sinai in Arabia for three years, he went to Messiah University and understood the grace of God. But James is still at this time under the law. Now later he's going to understand grace. He's going to write a book in the New Testament called the book of James. And so he's going to understand grace later, but at this point, he, he's still under the law. And so James is a pretty strong figure. He must have been pretty strong because Peter was afraid of him. We're going to find out that when people came from James, he got afraid because they were came from James. And he didn't want to displease James, the pastor of the Jerusalem church. And so until James, the men from James came, he would eat with the Gentiles. You know, Jewish tradition held that there was a special connection with whomever you share a meal with. And I don't think that's just a Jewish tradition. I believe that is from God. I think it's important that as families that we eat together. How many families today actually have meals together? 
Life is so busy. We have so many activities, and so you have, you have dinner, and so you have this person out doing this and out doing that. Or, I, you know, when I grew up, we didn't really, it was not a close unit in our family, so I would be watching TV in my room, my parents would watch in somewhere else, and so we didn't have an understanding of the importance of the meal together. But I think if you're a family, it's important that you all sit together and say, you're going to be at the meal. And so there's just something that where we share a meal together and share communion together. There's a spiritual dynamic. In the early church, there were four components to a, to a vibrant Christian experience in the, in the early church. It said that in the early church, they, they uh, continued in the apostles' doctrine. That's the word of God, the New Testament teaching of grace. They, and breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayers. Did you notice between the spiritual things, we say spiritual things is the ministry of the word and prayer. In between, there are two natural things called breaking of bread and fellowship. They're just as spiritual to the Lord, and they bring us all together. So that's why we like to have a meal at the, on the first Sunday of the month, and we, we had our big meal yesterday, not today. But we break bread, that's communion, but we also share food together. And I think it's important, even after church, that you would find people around you and invite them to go to church, go to, not church, but invite them to go to lunch. And so invite someone to go to church and then take them to lunch. Amen. Praise God. And so the Jews, therefore, uh, were forbidden to eat with the Gentiles. This was Jewish tradition. And so Peter broke tradition by not only being with the Gentiles, but eating with them. And so there's no command, though, in the law. You can't find a single verse in the Bible that told the Jews you can't have a meal with a Gentile. There's certain what you can't eat or can't eat as a, Gentile, as a Jew, but it didn't say you can't eat with a Gentile, but that became oral tradition, oral tradition. Oral tradition is based on fence laws. What's a fence law? A fence law is something that you, you, you come up with a law to protect you against the one there is a law. In the Old Testament, there are 613 laws under the Mosaic Covenant. Well, the rabbis came along, and under every one of the 613, they said, well, you don't want to get close to breaking that one, so let's come up with a bunch of other laws around it so you don't get close to breaking it. And one of the oral traditions is that you're not allowed to eat with a Gentile because if you eat with a Gentile, you might end up eating a piece of bacon. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So it says when he, he would eat with the Gentiles, what does that mean? In the morning he had bacon and eggs? At lunch he had ham sandwiches? In, at lunch, at dinner he had pork chops? Mm. And he loved it. He loved it. And, and Peter would look over at Paul at dinner, oh, this is awesome, what did we miss out all of our life? Yes, isn't it wonderful, Peter? So Peter had previously been taught uh, by the Lord there was no difference between Jew Jews and Gentiles. He learned that with Cornelius. Look at Acts 10.28. He's being a hypocrite here. He knows better to separate from the Gentiles that he's all of a sudden better than the Jews. The Jews are better than the Gentiles. And so he's playing the hypocrite. He knows better. The Lord taught him there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. But he's going to act differently here in a second. Acts 10, look at verse 28. This is with Cornelius. Then he said to them, you know, this is Peter, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. That's the oral tradition. 
But God has shown me what? I should not call any man common or unclean. I shouldn't push away certain people say, you're, you're not as holy as I am, and you're unclean. I can't spend time with you. He says, no, no, there's not a single person that I should treat that way. And so these meals, they would have meals together. But you know, in the early church, when you had the meal, the beginning of the meal started with communion. It started with the, called the love feast, and they would have communion, and then they would have a meal based on that. And people it would be a potluck dinner. And they would bring all of the food together, and they, they would have communion, they would have a meal. What was happening was, all of a sudden, men from James came, and, and so Peter's enjoying his pork chop one evening, and he looks out, and all of a sudden, he recognizes those from James. He knows them, and all of a sudden, he's like, uh-oh. So he wipes off the, the pork chop juice off his beard, <laughs> pops in a couple of breath mints, and separates because he didn't want to be seen by them because that's not according to the law. And James is, is those, he preaches, the Jews have to keep the law. And so what was happening, he stopped having those meals, but guess what? He refused to have communion with them. Wow. He was no longer having communion with the Gentiles. What do you think the Gentiles felt? And all of a sudden, all the Peter... And all the Gentiles that was, and all the Jews that was eating with them, all of a sudden they're sitting at different tables or in different rooms, and they refuse to have fellowship with them anymore. How do you think it made them feel? <clears throat> Peter had withstood racist persecution over a visit to Cornelius. After he gets back to Jerusalem from visiting Cornelius, he, get, they, he gets called on the carpet for it. They're not happy with Peter. And Peter has to give the vision. He says, I had a vision from the Lord. And the Lord showed me. That don't call any man unclean. And, and they said, oh, okay. And so he, he withstood racist persecution over his visit to Cornelius. And then at the council in Acts 15, he stood up and said, no, why are you putting a yoke on them that we can't keep? And he, and he talked about Cornelius. And he stood strong in Jerusalem for the fact that there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles before the Lord. But now he's bowing to pressure in Antioch. This was a pattern in Peter's life. Sometimes we have to look at our life. There's patterns in our life. This is a pattern we see in Peter's life. One moment he's strong in faith. The next he gets into fear. He walks on the waves one moment and sinks the next. He stands up the night Jesus is being betrayed. I'll stand with you forever. I'm Rocky. I'm the rock. You can depend on me. And before the crow crows three times, Rocky is pebbles, <laughs> denying him before little girls. And here again, he falls apart. He withdrew and separated himself. Peter was hiding his light under a bushel. Nothing is said about the visitors from James telling Peter, you shouldn't be eating with the Gentiles. It says Peter withdrew because he was worried about what they might think. They didn't say they said anything to him, but he, he did it out of fear of what they might think. And not just what they think, but what he cared about James thought. Withdrew, withdrawing was an action Peter took but the result was a clear separation and a division between Jew and Gentile in the church. 
One was a higher plane and the other was a lesser class. It was a horrible sin Peter was committing. To mark yourself off with a separating boundary to treat other Christians as not worth being around is a horrible sin against Christ. Just put yourself in, the, in, the, in those Gentiles, your church members, the Gentiles. And, and say me and, and Craig and some of our leadership staff, all of a sudden we, we have our meal separate from you. Because we're the clergy, you're laity. We're somebody, you're nobody. How does that make, how does that make you feel? Well, first of all, it makes you feel bad. Second of all, it makes you angry. (laughs) But then you're almost like, well, what do I need to do to conform to be like you? What changes do I have to do to make myself right? And so that was happening to the Gentiles. What do I have to do now to be in the in-group? I guess I need to give up bacon. I don't know if I'm willing to do that. (laughs) I mean, that's, I mean, that's. That's a heavy commitment to give up bacon. Maybe I need to be circumcised. Maybe I need to, to become a Jew. Maybe I need to be a proselyte. It's a sin. This is a result of legalism and self-righteousness. This kind of sin made Jesus the angriest at the Pharisees. That made themselves more holy than those that were not. God hates it when we tell others to stand away from us because we're more holy and better than they are. Peter had eaten non-kosher food with the Gentiles but now refused to associate with the Gentiles in eating and in doing so he proclaimed he was holier than they were. God hates this. Look in Isaiah 65. I'm going to tell you how much God hates this. Look in Isaiah 65, look at verse 5. Isaiah 65, look at verse 5. Who say, keep to yourself, do not come near to me, for I'm holier than you. These are pleasing to the Lord. I'm sorry, clueless translation. These are smoke in my nostrils and a fire that burns all day. Now, you know, that's back then. Can we do that today? Well, you don't, you don't, you don't go, to, you don't understand grace like I do. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I understand, I'm a Karis grad. Oh, you don't go to Karis? Oh. What do you make them feel like? Oh, well, I guess I'm not as spiritual as good as... This is not a Karis church. This is a Christian church. And you're just as holy and righteous as anybody else if you're born again. I'm thankful for what we get at Karis. I I highly tout it. I'm a teacher at Karis. But it doesn't make you more righteous. And so so we we need to get a holier-than-thou attitude towards other people and make them feel like they're less. 
fearing those, say fearing. fearing. Why did he play the hypocrite? Fear of what people would think. Fearing those who were of the circumcision. Religion is always based upon fear. The first reaction Adam and Eve had to their sin was what? Fear. They immediately made fig leaves to cover and to hide. This is the start of religion. To make themselves appear more presentable to other people. Religion and legalism leads to the fear of people. 2 Timothy 1.7 God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, understanding grace will always remove unhealthy fear. Unhealthy fear of God and fear of people. This kind of fear of people comes from looking at yourself. Tell someone, stop looking at yourself. Well, if I don't look at myself, who do I look at? Step number one, look at Jesus. Step number two, keep looking at Jesus. Step number three, keep on looking at Jesus. And, and what do you see when you look at Jesus? You see yourself. As he is, so are we in this world. You keep looking at Jesus, and it'll free, it'll, it'll free you from the fear of man. The fear of man brings a snare. Proverbs 29, 25. Let's look at that. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings to what? Yeah. <clears throat> Whoever trusts in the Lord should be saved. When you're caring about what people say, you're not trusting Jesus. When you got your eyes on you, you don't got your eyes on Jesus. Well, I'm, so, I'm so concerned of what others think about me. Well, you'd be surprised how much people don't think about you. I was always on my mind. Some people are so self-centered. They go to a football game, and every time they huddle up, they think they're talking about them. Peter had just stood up in boldness in Jerusalem. And in Acts 15, 7, this is what Peter had to say in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by the mouth of the Gentiles should, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. He stood up in Jerusalem, and now he's in Antioch, acting totally different. Why? That's the reason. He's not in Jerusalem, he's in Antioch. In Jerusalem, in Acts 15, there was an ordination service. 
And they said, we are called to the Jews, you're called to the Gentiles. And now Peter had gone to Antioch to minister to Gentiles. He's out of place. Whenever you get out of your call, whenever you get out of your place of grace, you're open for fall. You're not anointed to minister to anyone everywhere at any time. And he's in Antioch trying to minister to Gentiles, and he's out of place. Later, Paul is called, Paul, Paul's called to who? Gentiles. Gentiles. But in, 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 in Acts 21, he, 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 he's going to come to Jerusalem, and he says, I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to those Jews. And the Holy Spirit says, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. He sends a prophet, don't go. The Holy Spirit by disciples said, don't, by the Spirit, don't go, Paul. And he says, I'm going, I don't care. And he went to Jerusalem, and then he gets in front of James. And James says, you know what, brother? It's great to hear what the Gentiles is happening. But we know, brother, that we Jews need to keep the law. And we know you keep the law. But he just wrote the book of Romans. Where he should have stood up and said, no, actually, I don't. I keep it by my faith in Jesus, but I don't try to keep the law. And there's no difference between Gentiles and Jews. Jews don't have to keep the law and Gentiles don't. And he says, now the Gentiles... They don't have to keep the law, but us Jews do. Now, to prove it, Paul, you're under the law, I want you to take a Jewish vow. I want you to shave your head, take a Nazarite vow. I want you to pay for animal sacrifices that all represented Jesus. And I want you to sacrifice these animals in the temple to prove that you're under the law. And he did it. Now, he, was, now he got caught in the temple before, before, it said before the animals were sacrificed, God put a stop to it. And they didn't get sacrificed. He got caught in the temple by a mob. And he tried to preach grace, but never even got to preach Jesus. And before they were brought to kill him, he was out of place. He was trying to minister to the Jews. And he himself played the hypocrite in front of James. Tell someone, stay in your place. Verse 13. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with Peter, so that even Barnabas was carried away with hypocrisy. Look at the word played the hypocrite. It's a Greek word. It's from the theater, the Greek theater. And the word hypocrite is a theatrical term. It means to speak from under a mask. Because in the, in the Greek theater, they all wore masks in the parts they played. And they were masked, and you spoke under the mask. And so the, the actor under the mask was not, was, was not the same as what it portrayed with the mask on. And the basic meaning here is to answer from under the mask. It refers to actors playing a part. The actors hid their true selves behind the role they were playing. This means to say one thing but act in a different way. Hypocrisy always tries to make other people do and to act in a way that you yourselves can't or won't. Let me say that again. Hypocrisy always tries to make other people do what we ourselves can't or won't do ourselves. The number one reason for hypocrisy is fear of what others think. So that even Barnabas 
was carried away with their hypocrisy. Who is Barnabas? The pastor of the church. Can you imagine me saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to have meals with you guys. I'm not going to be out greeting you guys. I'm going to be in the green room. Stay away. Don't touch my anointing. <laughs> this must have really stung the Gentiles. Barnabas was their pastor. This was the first crack in Paul and Barnabas's relationship. Barnabas was his, his, his uh, teammate to the Gentiles. Now Barnabas is playing this hypocrite. And it's going to strain their friendship. And just not too long after this, they break, their ministry team breaks up. They're not going to be together anymore. Legalistic peer pressure is a powerful force. If Peter and Barnabas could be carried away by it, tell someone, so can you. And if Paul can be in Acts 21, so can we. And there's coming a day, church, where we have to stand up for what we believe the Word of God says. And when everyone around you is saying, what a horrible person you are, you're a hateful person to say homosexuality is wrong. You're not loving, you're not kind, you're a hater. Pressure. We love people, but we can't condone sin. To hate sin doesn't mean you hate the person committing it. Our flesh, tell someone your flesh, is very religious and legalistic. Your flesh does not get saved. Doesn't get born again. Doesn't become holier. And your flesh is very religious and legalistic. If we yield to our flesh, we'll be carried away by legalistic peer pressure and fear. Legalism and fear are contagious. It spreads like wildfire. It's like leaven, the leaven an entire lump. Hypocrisy. You know a big problem in the church is the masks people wear to cover up and to act like there's something different. Now, it's not, you don't know about this, but you hear about those that drive to church arguing the entire way. And as soon as they step out the car and see the pastor, well, hello, pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> How are you? Bless, bless, bless. <laughs> they get in the car and drive off and push play. Pff, they're back at it. <laughs> you don't know anybody like this. Why do we do that? We care what people think. You know that the person next to you is the closest thing to God in this world? Because they're made in the image of God. And we're so swayed because we can see that person. We can see the reaction on their face, their disapproval, their tone. And, and we're governed to oftentimes what we see, that image of God coming back at us. And it's very powerful. 
You know, you don't need to wear masks when you understand your identity in Christ. Because when we take the masks off, we're the same in our flesh. Your flesh is no better than my flesh. In the flesh is no good thing. But we're also the same in the new creation. In our spirit man. And we, we don't view anybody according to the flesh anymore, but who they are in the spirit. We don't judge ourselves. We don't judge other people. Say, oh, well, they just fleshed out. That's not who they are. If they, you know what? They act like they don't like me, but their spirit loves me. Their spirit loves me. Their, their stupid head didn't have caught up. Well, how much they love me. Am I saying, well, take your mask off and let's all flesh out? No. You, we don't need masks when we can manifest Christ. Let me say that again. We don't need masks when we can manifest Christ. It would be glorious to live among people of taking their masks off and are living by faith in God's grace. Heaven on earth. Understanding we're all the same in the spirit. No distinction at all. No race distinction, no economic, no male, no female distinctions. All righteous and holy and children of God. Verse 14. But when I saw, say saw. saw. When I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, Right in the lunchroom. We're at dinner. It was one of the meals. Right in the, right in the dinner hall, mess, the mess hall. He stood up right in front of everybody. If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? That's how he said it. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth, say straightforward. straightforward. That means to walk a straight line. He was being crooked with the truth. What's the gospel truth? That Jesus Christ died and rose again to offer salvation to all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. Both groups are equally acceptable to God through Christ and must be equally accepted to each other. Let me say that again. The gospel truth was that Jesus Christ had died and risen again to offer salvation to all mankind, Jews and Gentiles alike. Both groups, Jews and Gentiles, were equally accepted by God in Christ Jesus. Thus, they must be equally acceptable to each other. If you've... If, if, You've been fully accepted by Christ and the person next to you has been fully accepted, not by their performance, not because they have it all together, not because they've done everything right. It's, and if God's accepted them, who are you not to accept them? You put yourself above God. It's called pride. It's smoke in his nostrils and a fire that burns all day. I said to Peter... In private. 
I said to Peter in front of them all. Why? Why would he do that publicly? Well, that's, it would have been nice for him to do that privately, brother. No, he was sinning publicly. This is all in public. It was causing a, a, a rift right in the middle of the church. And Paul said this has to be dealt with publicly. Right. Look at Proverbs 27.5. Proverbs 27.5. An open rebuke is better than concealed love. Peter was concealing his love for the Gentile saints, but Paul revealed his love for them by rebuking Peter openly. <clears throat> and he said to Peter, if you being a Jew, and Jew was, he, Peter was, he was a full-blooded Jew, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as Jews, what is he talking about? Up until James people came, you were living just like a Gentile. You were dressing like them. You were doing charismatic jigs with them. You were having lunch with them. You were having bacon in the morning, ham sandwiches in the, and pork chops at night. You were living just like a Gentile's and loving every bit of it. But all of a sudden, now you're a Jew. And I can't have what they eat. And I can't sit at their table anymore. And me and, and Barnabas and us Jews, we're special. We're going to be over by ourselves. Why are you compelling the Gentiles to live as Jews? Because what was it? It was putting pressure on them. Well, what do I got to do to be in the in crowd? And what would happen, it would have started with, I got to stop eating the pork so that I can have meals with the Jews again. But it wouldn't stop there. Legalism never stops there. It always, what's the next thing? Next thing, well, you have to observe Sabbath day on Saturday. Because the Jews are, and you've got to do that. Well, then, well, I guess now I have to go all the way, circumcision. Now I've got to be a proselyte. And, and so it spreads. This can happen in our life. Verse 15. We who are Jews by nature and not the sinners of the Gentiles. He's going to take them back to their, what they believed about the Gentiles before they got saved. He says, you know, we're Jews by nature and we're not the sinners of the Gentiles. Do you know the Jews, the unsaved Jews, that was the term they used of Gentiles? They called them the sinners of the Gentiles. We're the covenant people of God. We keep the law. No, you don't, but... We keep the law. And we're the holy people of God and they're the uncleaned, unwashed masses. They're the sinners of the Gentiles. He says, yeah, that, that's how we used to think, Peter. You're going back to where you were unsaved. Paul is taking Peter back to the views they both had shared before they heard the gospel and were saved. Peter was acting like he was an unsaved man. Paul is using irony here. The Jews called the Gentiles sinners because they were not part of God's covenant people and didn't keep the law. And there was a time both Paul and Peter called the Gentiles sinners. But in Romans 3.9, it says, Through the law is the knowledge of sin, the sin nature. 
And in Romans 3, he brings out that both Jews and Gentiles are equally under sin. They're equally sinners before the, hands of God, before the eyes of God. And they both need to be justified by faith in Jesus. The blood has to be shed equally for both of them. And once they accept Jesus, you're equal together in the grace of God. Finally, verse 16. Knowing, say knowing. Peter knew this. But he let people pressure him out of what he knew. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. We must know we cannot be justified by our own good works. Notice it says, knowing that a man, anthropos, mankind, he didn't say Jew, Gentile, he just says a man. It's no difference. A man is not justified by the works of the law. Jew, Gentile, I don't care who they are. If they live on this planet, been born of a man and a woman, a man, mankind, cannot be justified by their works. They can't be made right with God. They can't be made holier by anything they do. Amen. Whether Jew or Gentile. Cannot be justified. This is God's three verse. What's a three verse? In this verse, three, three is meant, things are mentioned three times in this verse. The works of the law are mentioned three times. Christ is mentioned three times. Faith or believe is mentioned three times. So, so works of the law is mentioned three times in this verse. Works of the law. Works of the law. Works of the law. Paul mentions works of the law three times. Work, work, work. No amount of man's work can build a righteousness that God requires or demands or accepts. But it's by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is used three times. The word faith is used twice, and the word believe is used the third time. Faith or believe is mentioned three times as well. Stop working and, stop tr and start trusting. Tell someone, stop working and start trusting. Stop trying to be as you ought to be and accept by faith you've been made to be as you ought to be in your spirit, man. Christ is mentioned three times in this verse. It's only Christ. It's only through Jesus are you right with God. He's mentioned three times in this verse. Exchange your work for Jesus' finished work. Jesus Christ is the end for uh, He's the end for righteousness for those that believe. He's the end, He's the stopping point. He is the end destination for righteousness. You can't get more righteous than Jesus Christ, and that's the only righteousness God demands. And when you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're at your you're at the you're at your destination. Tell someone you're there. You're there. You're there. Well, then why are you trying to get there? 
The whole, the whole goal of you looking like you're there is believing you're there and renewing your mind you're there. But if you don't believe you're there, you're going to do whatever you can to get there. And you're going to put masks on. And put pressure on other people to image your mask. Even we believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith. Look at the word justified. It means to be declared innocent. It was a, it was a legal term that says you're declared to be just as you ought to be. That we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh. Say no flesh. No Jewish flesh. No Gentile flesh. I don't care what flavor, I don't care what color, I don't care what, if it's male, female, no flesh can be justified before God. Religion is nothing more than your flesh trying to look right and make itself right with God and other people. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for your word that we've all been made righteous by faith in Christ Jesus. So we can take the masks off. We don't have to try to pretend to be acceptable to other people when we're accepted by you. And we don't need to wear a mask when we manifest Christ. So Father, I pray in the coming days when pressure is put on us to play the hypocrite, to act different than what we really believe, the word says, we'll stand strong because we know our identity and we know that only your opinion really matters at the end of the day. And we'll stand strong in you, in Jesus' name. Amen.